What is up, bosses? Before we kick off this episode, I want to tell you about our brand new sponsor, NetSuite. The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. Today's CFO is critical to the strategy and success of the business. And in growing companies, there are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes, errors, and lack of visibility into the numbers. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, e-commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. Insights coming with the click of a button. With visibility and control of your finances, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. I'm going to tell you all about the awesome features of NetSuite during the break, but if you want to join the over 29,000 businesses already using NetSuite, just head over to netsuite.com slash iLab for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash slash ilab netsuite.com slash i-l-a-b all right let's kick off this episode of invest like a boss welcome to the invest like a boss podcast i'm sam marks and i'm johnny fd we're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors business owners and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash Hey, what's up, bosses? This is Johnny, and welcome to episode 231 of the Vest Like a Boss podcast. Derek Sparks, how you doing, buddy? I'm personally doing well. We're recording this in the morning, a little sleepy. Kind of noticed something on my computer I've never seen before. Okay. At least that nothing that I, I really remember. In the bottom right corner of my computer, there is a giant red arrow, and it's pointing down. I was like, what hmm, does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I clicked on it and it's the NASDAQ down 6% and it says warning dropping fast. Wow. You know, I'm surprised you have something installed. Is it like an app or something or are you on Windows? I'm on Windows. It's kind of just part of the the deal where they'll, they'll give you like <laughs> big headlines. So that's a little concerning. Well, you know... 2022 is a strange year. Uh, the only thing that seems like it's been going up are all the random collectibles. You know, people literally selling anything from uh, Pokemon cards to, you know, comic books. Everything's been going up the last two years. It seems the only things going up are the actual physical items. Think about it. Housing's out of control. The car market, is, you can't even get a car for sticker price anymore. And yeah, like you said, collectibles or anything like movie related, comic book stuff, um, like Star Wars nerd type stuff. These guys are spending huge money and a really old school thing that has exploded in the last few years is our topic this week that I've wanted to talk about forever. And that's luxury watches like the market is insane. Yes. And I think Insane is a good word for it because people are just trading them like, you know, candy or comic books, but they're not, you know, $50 items. These are, you know, $50,000 items. It's insane. 
And 50,000 only gets you like a mid-grade watch. Um, our guest this week is Joshua Ganji. He's got a, they've had a family business. They've been doing this forever. It's the European watch company. They're based out of Boston, but now in this whole global world, they have clients everywhere, you know, all through Europe, Asia. He said even like Australia. It's just blown up to the point that I don't, I don't know where these guys are getting all this money from. And I say guys because I thought, you know, obviously it's a male, male dominated collectible, but he told me like 99.9% of this is all guys. You know, the women's watches don't, don't even really appreciate it's, 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 it's rich guys driving this market. Yeah, I can definitely see that. So speaking of rich guys, Derek, what is on your wrist? <laughs> My wrist is currently bare. Um, I tried an Apple watch for like two weeks and I, I honestly, it was cool. It did cool stuff, but I was too connected. If that makes sense. I'm already, I feel like I'm on my phone too much already. And this just felt like an extension of being on my phone more. And it was making me crazy. So I actually returned my Apple watch. Yeah. I, you know, that's a, a good move. I, I, I never bought a Apple watch or any kind of connected device because of that. I, I don't need it. Like I, I don't see any reason why I would ever want that on my wrist. I actually, you know, don't even have a use for, I remember the only time I, I kind of wanted something to keep track of um, like fitness was when I was surfing or at least trying to surf, I wanted to go buy just like a cheap uh, waterproof Casio or something. And even then I told myself, you know what, let me just be out on the ocean. Let me just enjoy this and not worry about what time it is. And, you know, same with fitness, you know, it's like, if I'm going to go to the gym, <clears throat> let me like, I guess it's, it's cool to have this motivation or the, or the, you know, the rings closing off, you know, with your friends to have these competitions, but I don't, I don't think it's a uh, very healthy cause, cause we're way too connected. Yeah, totally. But half the fun of the ocean is just, just to go in the ocean and kind of forget about everything. At least for me, like I can step out like 30 seconds out of my place, be in the ocean and you don't think about anything about except for being in the ocean, maybe because the part of the ocean I'm at, the waves could basically kill you every second. So you have to pay a hundred percent attention to it. But yeah, I absolutely agree that part of, you know, being successful isn't just having enough money to buy things. It's having the time freedom to not have to answer emails or answer messages, you know, uh, 24 seven, uh, and not even needing to know what time it is and, you know, not needing to be somewhere at a specific time. So I like having that freedom, but at the same time, I actually like wearing a watch. I, I think, uh, I'm one of the few people, you know, well, maybe not the few, I, I, I would say it's, I don't know if it's 50, 50 or what the, the ratio is, but I'm one of the people who likes having a watch on my wrist. I feel kind of naked without it. How do you feel? Do you, do you, do you like having the feeling on, on your wrist or is it kind of a burden? This is kind of correlates to the whole phone thing because I, when I was younger, I used to wear a watch every single day, no matter what. And then I think as you know, phones got better, we got iPhones that it just slowly stopped wearing the watch because I realized I don't even check it for the time. I think I had one watch that I really liked that, you know, the battery died and I was just like, I don't even need to get a battery because I don't even care what time it is. I just want to wear it. So because I'm not even checking it for the time. And then slowly I was just like, okay, why am I even wearing this anymore? But I will say recently now that I'm doing better financially, I have 
been wanting to get like that one nice watch and kind of just see where it takes me from there. But I haven't, I haven't jumped in yet, but now seeing these prices, <laughs> I think it's, I think I might've missed the boat to at least get a nice starter watch because the money's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that is true for the high end watches, but there's still some uh, deals out there. Um, your boy, Johnny FD just bought a watch a few weeks ago in Greece. Okay. Okay. Save, save that thought, Johnny. Why don't, why don't we jump into the interview? And then I want to find out what watch you actually purchased. So here is Joshua Ganji. He's from the European watch company. Let's see what he has to say. They sell three to 400 watches a month. And if you go on their site, the average price is 10 to a hundred thousand plus. So these guys are doing millions of dollars a month in watches. Let's see what Joshua has to say. This week's sponsor of Invest Like a Boss is NetSuite. They are the number one cloud financial system used by over 29,000 growing businesses. Like I told you at the top of this episode, the CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. So make sure you have visibility and control over your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. In fact, 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. So if you head over right now to NetSuite, NetSuite.com slash iLab. We have a special one-of-a-kind financing offer for you. That's NetSuite.com slash iLab. I'll even spell it out for you. N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash I-L-A-B. One more time, NetSuite.com slash iLab. Okay, back here on Invest Like a Boss. Exciting topic here that... I feel like everyone has been talking about lately a lot more than in the past. I got Josh Ganji here from the European watch company. They're selling more watches than pretty much anyone out there, but I'm going to let him tell us about it. Josh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me Derek. Appreciate it. So how did you get involved in, in this space? Um, I found your company. We, we had a little chat on the phone and you guys are selling some incredible watches at, let's be honest, incredible prices. So uh, how'd you, how'd you get involved in this space? Um, actually, this is a family business. So uh, my dad had started the business about almost 30 years ago now, pretty much as a hobby. He's a uh, software engineer by trade and slowly over time, uh, that became boring. And as he opened his store, which sold mostly jewelry, he incorporated watches and people wanted more watches. So as he brought in more and more watches, he gained uh, a much bigger customer base, uh, mainly from referrals. And this is like early internet time. So back then when you needed a watch, you would just go to your watch guy and he would tell you, show you which ones he recommended. So he became that person. And, um, you know, it was always something that was around. I was a kid. I, 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 I didn't know I was going to do it uh, full time. I didn't know even after I graduated uh, from the BU Boston University Business School, it kind of ended up being something that I was helping him with after school. 
And uh, it, I, I realized how, how big the potential was and uh, how much opportunity there was within this company and the industry. So I decided to stick around. That's really interesting. I find it, I find it uh, curious that, you know, your father started in software engineering and then went to something, you know, more physical kind of old school mentality of owning an actual watch where it's like, it seems like the world is kind of going the opposite direction now, but this phenomenon of owning a watch and trading watches and, and getting, you know, the best watches out there has really kind of taken off. I don't know if there's any correlation there to kind of the digital world and the physical space to any kind of trends that we're seeing right now. Well, you know, there's a lot of people who um, are really passionate about watches, but also have a, have an Apple watch. So, or a digital watch of set, you know, I wear a G-Shock at home too. Like it doesn't, it, it's just uh it's it's mainly 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 like a, a a passion for horology, any type of horology. So some people have what I call the watch bug, which is actually what I've found over the years a genetic uh, draw, uh, uh, a genetic. It's pretty much your your dad liked it, or someone in your family liked it, or your grandfather was a watch collector, and it you see it as it comes down generation to generation, as you know, you see, sometimes we see top executives um, all over the world and they're wearing like a plastic watch, even with their three piece suit, because maybe they just don't have the bug. So it is a bug. And actually I I have found it to be for some people an addiction. So this is definitely an addiction, probably one of the better ones out there. Um, But it is nonetheless uh, something that people are definitely feeling super strongly about. And with the internet and social media now, they're exposed to so many more types and varieties and brands that were much harder to understand when the internet was a lot younger. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Doing some research on this episode, I really saw a lot of correlations with car culture. I'm a huge car guy. And uh, a lot of the a lot of the people that are collecting this and the actions that they're taking seems really similar to what all the all these car guys are doing as well. Yeah, totally. I, I totally see that. I, I know a lot of our clients are, are car guys, too. Um, they shop the same way. They they are they are, you know, particular in the same way. It's definitely a correlation, you know, but it's really those two that are like the boys toys i mean yeah there's scotch and wine and cigars but actual tangible investment you know something you can wear something you can drive or you know something real it's those are the two real big ones that have dominated i think all the markets um i I would say but really watches has taken off um, because mainly because they're so easy to transport. They're so right. easy to buy and sell and trade. I mean, we're FedExing packages. I mean, we got 2030 going out and 2030 coming in pretty much every day. And you can't really do that with cars. There's, you got to list them and pictures and well, I need someone to inspect it. It's a little more cumbersome. So actually we're seeing more car guys come into the watch space because they can get the same thrill or the same high. And it's just a lot less friction 
to get that the to- deal done. So that totally makes sense. I live in Los Angeles at the beach and I have one parking spot. So good luck having a second car. I tried it for right. about a year and just yeah. car shuffling. I was like, no, thanks. So right. Right. <laughs> and then you have the space and then, you know, it's yeah. funny. We joke about like your wife or your significant other, uh, you know, figuring out, you know, what you're spending on these watches. (laughs) They can definitely figure out the car situation. You can, you only have a garage space for two or three cars. A little easier to hide a watch, huh? (laughs) Totally. No, it's happening. You know, we, we, we joke. I mean, we send to people's works, they use different accounts. I mean, it's the whole, the whole thing's uh, been figured out already. So we're drawing a lot of uh, that kind of attention. That's funny. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the business and then we'll jump into kind of more culturally what's going on with watches. So uh, European watch company, your company, uh, approximately how many watches are you guys moving a month? Could you say? Um, we're in the hundreds. Um, you know, last month we were at around the 400 mark, which was, which was pretty impressive uh, by us. And these are, you know, investment quality, I call them. Um, watches that are retaining their value. Um, so, or, or watches that we personally recommend. So we, we really try to stick to those watches that we feel strongly about, that we feel good about offering and that we feel good about taking back because a lot of times people trade back and forth. So I don't want to sell something that I may not want to take back at another point. So we really curate our collection. And that's definitely a differentiator between us and other sellers out there is that many other sellers aren't really thinking about that. They're mostly thinking about their profit margins and, you know, which ones, which model is going to make the most money. But we, we tend to stay away from a lot of um, brands that uh, don't have the right, the same track record that don't have certain quality levels. We really, we're really, I mean, that's, that's, that's our bread and butter. I mean, we're sticking with only the best, only the most important watches. Um, And that's kind of where we like to be for, you know, for, for watches that, that we sell. That totally makes sense. And I signed up for your newsletter too. Uh, If you go to europeanwatch.com, we'll put the link in the show notes. They got some great pieces. I mean, it's just, it's just fun to look at. It's, it's kind of like going on Zillow and looking at your dream house, you know, you see some amazing watches on there too. Um, You guys are based in Boston, but I got to assume you got customers all over the globe. So what are, what are some, uh, some of your major markets that, you know, have, have found to be kind of watch hotspots? Um, well, we do, I would probably say about 75% of our business is within the USA. Um, we, we've actually been on the same street on Newbury street. Uh, I don't know if you're aware. It's like pretty much the fifth Avenue of Boston. Um, we've been on the street for a while and it used to be, as, as mentioned before, more of a foot traffic type of thing. But as the internet grew and, and became more mature, we were able to tr- be in different markets, in, in, in European markets. I mean, uh, London uh, definitely is a market for us, um, Germany. And, but actually, recently, we've been selling a lot to Hong Kong, a lot to Singapore, 
um, we, we really do go all over, even to South Africa and Australia. I think with the help of, you know, the logistics management of FedEx and with armored carriers, um, which we like to use Malka Meat, which is like a secure transport, they've really helped us facilitate this global reach because I can securely send a two, three, four, five hundred thousand million dollar watch to Singapore and not have to stress about it. Back 10, 15, 20 years ago, you couldn't really do that. It was a big risk. I mean, you'd have to get on the plane. I mean, it was not it was not as easy as it is now. I mean, with FedEx being so developed and you know they their algorithms the way they do things they figured it out that we can really work freely and stress-free and so that that was also a big reason why we're making a lot of these investments into these bigger watches i mean bigger by price tag not by by size um because there's some security that we can reach the entire world that I don't have to stress about how this watch is going to get to Hong Kong. Yeah, that totally makes Um, sense. Has the watch space always had a steady appreciation and value, or is this kind of a relatively new phenomenon? Um, I I just feel like maybe the hype is, is a lot bigger than it always was, or maybe I'm just, I'm just noticing it more and I didn't see it before. Um, What's kind of going on in, in the space in the last few years compared to historically? No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. This is a, I would say a, um, it really started taking off maybe six, seven years ago. And I actually can almost pinpoint when the real explosion happened. And that was with the launch of Instagram because yeah, that makes sense. for, for vintage watches, which was the real boom, which is what I was very passionate about years ago. I'm still passionate about it, but, um, but years ago, there was no way for collectors in the middle of nowhere, Italy. And I, I mentioned Italy because the Italian market is a very important market for watches. Italian Italians started watch collecting what we call modern day watch collecting. When I talked about, those genetic things that in people like genetically are watch collectors. The Italians are the epitome of handing down that genetic gene from generation to generation. So they've been collecting for a long time. A lot of trends start in Italy, especially vintage, vintage market trends. So, um, it, which is an which is an important thing. So when Instagram came out, all of a sudden you had very rare and watches that would become alive. The investment would become alive once this guy in the middle of nowhere posted his picture onto Instagram. Everyone would see, wow, I didn't even know that watch existed. And that's when vintage watches definitely started to boom um, because watches were just coming out of drawers, out of collections that people didn't know and conditions that were never seen before, never seen at auction. Um, So that just compounding over time, 
you know, people slowly seeing what other people had. Wow, that looks really good. I want one too. Uh, so over the years, as Instagrams developed, that that passion has also developed. That like eagerness to like, I want that, and I yeah. I I can I can have that. I I can afford that. I can find one. And then it's the hunt because guys love to hunt for things. They love. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know I I don't hunt for watches in my spare time i'm either looking at i guess i'm only looking at guns that's the only other thing that i could possibly <laughs> there's, like there's another boy toy that the guy's like oh. yeah that's true <laughs> yeah th- th- um, that that is true but i think i find that to be so to back to your question i think that in addition to the marketing dollars that have been put in by brands to pretty much attract a younger crowd combined you really start to see an explosion in demand and it wasn't always the case that you would go to the store and you would walk out and you would make five ten thousand dollars or double your money or triple your money it was never the case actually usually you could go into the paddock philippe store and you can buy a nautilus at a discount you could get almost all these watches that are selling today anytime you wanted there was no wait list because you were losing money pretty similarly to you were when you walk out of the lot with a car you would lose money there was a depreciation that's just not really around anymore and most people buying watches today don't really know what that means yeah and i gotta think that you know obviously instagram and you're talking this uh, italian influence um as far as like american influence I think the hip hop culture has really kind of driven awareness to this too. I, I honestly probably never even heard of a paddock until I heard it in a song. So I, I see a lot of the rapper guys, you know, you see about chains and grills and all that kind of stuff. And now those guys are talking about watches. I mean, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's totally true. I think there are a lot of, um, you know, I know Jay-Z's uh, a big Paddock Philippe collector. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, I know he's not a rapper, but I mean, he's seen around with with with. Hey, with Marky nice Mark, don't, don't forget about Marky Mark. <laughs> yeah, don't forget about him. He's actually he's got a great collection, but you, you're, you are right. It is a lot more. You know, they also rap about Audemars Piguet, which has become yep. which is a fantastic brand always. And Will is Will is is one of the kings in the in the in the whole industry. But I do think that has definitely helped bring awareness uh, definitely to the younger demographic. I think that younger people are more wealthy today than they were in the past and they can actually afford to buy these watches. And I think, Um, I think what we've seen on that note too, is there's a lot of these uh, kind of crypto millionaires where the money isn't, isn't, as tangible it kind of it's it just kind of looks like a number because it's it i think you made it so easily that it just it right. doesn't feel real so these guys have are spending you know big money on stuff right and it and it's like you can spend big money they they're not even feeling it but it's actually a great purchase by them to do that i mean sure. to move into something tangible that's uh, I don't want to say that crypt that it's not real, but I mean, you know what I mean? You yeah, can hold no, no, it just the whole concept or, of, yeah. of digital currency where it's like money, money in general to a lot of people now. It just, it doesn't, it's, uh, I feel like when, when you're a kid, think of when you had a couple dollars in your hand, like that felt 
like, wow, yeah, I really earned real. this and I got to save it and hold on to it where now it's just, it's just a number on a screen. <laughs> it's just the right, way the totally. world is today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. I, I agree with you on that. So is your average collector, are, are these guys and gals, obviously, um, do they have, you know, tens, hundreds of watches or do they want one, two, three watches and then keep trading up to get the best one they can? What, what's kind of your average customer doing, you know, or what's maybe a, average number of watches you could say or is is it super varied um it's really varied i i've seen every variant of collector um 99 i don't even think it's 99 i would almost it's probably 99 percent of our customers are men i think really that, that high wow yeah yeah it is that high i think um we have very, very few ladies' watches. The ladies' watches that we have are traded in by men who are saying, my wife's not wearing this watch. I'm going to trade it and get something <laughs> Let me else. get one that I can uh, wear. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, w- you know, ladies don't, don't enjoy, they don't, it's like a jewelry item. They buy it, they keep it. It's not coming back. They loved it then. They'll love it tomorrow. It's pretty much stays pretty stagnant, but men uh, like, like men do, they get bored of things. They, mm-hmm. they want something new. And so, so we, we get a lot of that. There's uh, I've seen everything. I, th- I see people who don't sell, they just buy, they could have hundred, 200 watches. Um, this client, I've been dealing with recently, he has over a thousand watches and he's not buying. um, I mean, he's bought watches from me recently in the hundreds of thousands of dollars each. So he has a thousand watches he's had over the years. um, And I don't think he wears any of them. (laughs) How could you wear a thousand watches? Yeah. Yeah, that is true. You couldn't, you, you, but I mean, I, I think he just enjoys them and he likes having them and he, um, he, 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 he plays with them actually. So um, that's so, but you know, a lot of people do the trading thing. There's a lot of like rational thinking. Well, I, you know, if you want to upgrade into something that's a bigger complication, why do I need two separate watches that are doing two different things when I can just buy one better one? that has more complication that has a minute repeater that has a tourbillon that is um, a chronograph, a split second. So there's a lot of that. Um, and then there's people who, you know, I have, I want a dress watch and a sport watch, and then I like to keep my collection small. So I should rotate things. So I'm not, you know, and, and generally speaking, people's watches today, for the most part, uh, if you're for the most part, things are holding value and things are, are you know it the the only quote unquote money you're losing is pretty much just a transaction fee just to facilitate with a dealer like us or anybody else um mm-hmm. trade you know so uh, things are good right now for the watch industry and i think that um people are making money and doing well and that they like to they're they're enjoying this hobby and i think it's becoming uh, you know, something important in a lot of people's lives. Great. So 
Are there any, uh, maybe, maybe a watch or two that you would suggest to someone that doesn't have any watches yet, but wants to get started? Uh, just, you know, you know, maybe they're not getting the, the $50,000, $100,000 watch, but a nice starter watch to kind of kick off your collection. Any that kind of come to mind right away? Um, I, I, people talk about Rolex a lot and it's worthy of all of the talk. I, I recommend Rolex to everyone at any chance I, I, I get, I, I think Rolex is one of the most amazing companies since companies were around. I think <laughs> the way that they're able to manufacture to the extent that they do in the millions of watches per year with the tolerances that they do. I mean, you get two watches, they're exactly the same. They're completely vertically integrated from top to bottom, from the steel, from the screws, from the movements. They are, they hold value incredibly well, even if you're buying what, even if you buy it on the secondary market um, at an over retail price, if you don't have a retail a retail um, relationship with an authorized retailer. Um, they're still amazing investments. Time has proven that Rolex watches will do well. They're great to keep. They're great to wear. They, they are a statement. You can pass them down. You can, for the most part, wear them all the time. Um, many of the models can be dress or, or sport. Um, one of the best companies ever, in my opinion, the best company that I know of, period. Um, so I recommend Rolex 100%. And I also like, um, I also like Omega. Omega is also a great brand for definitely a, a great entry level um, brand. I would recommend the Speedmaster, which is one of an iconic Those are cool watches. Most, yeah, I was looking at one yeah, of those recently. Most, <laughs> yeah, no, you should. I mean, if it's something that it's within, you know, your budget with, you know, I think right now you can get a nice one for the, for about a five, six, $7,000 range. Super good buy, um, timeless, you know, great brand, great make always upgraded, um, well-run company. Um, you know, I, I really like that. I really like that watch. I, I have one myself. I have some vintage ones myself. So I appreciate that brand and the awesome. design and everything it stands for just for an everyday watch. So speaking of, of these brands, obviously each brand has different models uh, beneath them. So coming from my head in the, in kind of the, the car head, th if I think of a Ferrari, there's some amazing Ferraris that are worth millions of dollars and Ferraris made some not so amazing models as well. Is that kind of the case with, let's say a Rolex? Are there certain models that sure they might appreciate in value, but they're just not as special as other ones, or are they all kind of increasing in value at the same, at the same pace? Um, I, I think generally that's, it is true. I mean, for example, Paddock Philippe has the Nautilus, which is like their, their, their premier sport watch. And, you know, the one quote unquote, the one that everyone wants, it kind of, today takes the show away from a lot of their other line okay the rest of their line but historically speaking you know the complicated you know it's hard to think I mean, it's even even hard for me to fathom that when a lot of these watches were made 
in the 20s or in the 30s without electricity, they could have a chiming minute repeater, tourbillon, split second. I mean, everything made by hand. Yeah, some of the no tech computers. is really cool. In this. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this is done. This is even into the 1800s. You have you know, Emmanuel Breguet, which is a godfather of all watchmaking. I think um, a lot of those important complications from the older times really shine in terms of value from back then from in terms of a vintage watch. Well, that's perfect um, where I wanted to ask you next, actually. So from an investment standpoint, what's better to own? Is, is it the hottest new watch on the market or is it that rare vintage watch as far as what you see appreciating? Are, are, are these collectors really looking at, at the newest of the new or these old vintage watches to really uh, rise in value? Um, I think today's collectors are looking at the new stuff. And I okay. think that they are looking at the new stuff because they don't know about the old stuff yet. So a lot of like vintage collectors, you know, I, my, myself, I mean, I don't know if the 1980s is a vintage watch, but I'm looking at stuff from, from back then uh, for myself. For That's, for, uh, that's kind of, like I said, these correlations with the car industry, the 80s and 90s cars are really blown up because I think it's, it's the stuff it's the same you thing. saw as a kid, yeah. you know, it, it, yeah, really, yeah, it kind of yeah, harkens yeah. you back to growing up. And that's, totally. that's, you kind of see a 20 to 30 year trend backwards where people see the things that they saw when they were younger that they couldn't afford, but now they can. So I, I think oh, that's totally. probably part of what you're seeing there too. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. But there, there are a lot of, there's a lot of um, people getting lucky with their authorized dealers who have relationships with people who work there that can buy, you know, certain things, watches, and, you know, they're doubling or tripling their money when they leave the door. I mean, I think mainly that is just a, a, a it's, comes down to just simply demand and just the size of the market has dramatically expanded because of those things like social media and, you know, ad dollars spent by these brands that the awareness is so high. So I think today's collectors, you know, we, as a company, we really shifted. We, we were, you know, we used to have like a hundred vintage watches in stock and we used to have about 200, you know, 200 uh, contemporary watches used to be 30%. But now we've almost entirely shifted to, to, to modern watches. It's um, they require less explaining. There's they're more straightforward. We 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 um, it's it's just a, it's easier. It's an easier experience when you're selling vintage watches, just like you were selling a vintage car. You can imagine it's a lot more detail oriented and it takes a lot longer. So. We, I mean, we're, we're, we're so busy. We just don't have the time actually to spend to, to romance them. So we've been personal, just as a company, we've been focusing on the modern watches, which is, as we talked about, it seems to be what people want today. Um, So we're giving it to them and we're, we're doing, you know, we're, we're really giving them the best stuff we can find, even if it comes, you know, the thing is now is that, all the good stuff is ex- quote unquote expensive. Mm-hmm. Like all the nice cars, they're expensive. They always were expensive. They will continue to be expensive. 
And it's the same thing with the watches, right? So when an important watch comes up, and I and I I use that word important because it's it's really it really is the right word. When important watch comes up and gets offered to us or to me, I don't want I don't want to miss it. I don't want to mess around and not have the watch in the collection or not be able to offer it if it's something special. It, so, seems, it seems that these companies are, are actually doing a really good job marketing this too. And another uh, industry that I see correlation in that the watches have kind of been jumping into recently, at least, is kind of the sneaker industry, uh, uh, kind of these fashion houses where they'll do collaborations. I wanted to ask you about the recent um, Omega and Swatch collaboration that made headlines all over the world. There was people standing outside in stores for hours just to get one of these watches and they weren't terribly expensive, but a lot of these people were turning around and flipping them for three, four times as much instantly once they got them. Um, is are these collaborations like this happening pretty often, or is this kind of a new way to drum up hype that these watch companies are figuring out? Um, what are you kind of seeing with the collaboration space? Yeah, I, I actually think you're you're exactly right, um, Derek, about about that. I think the collaborations are drawing up hype. They're doing a good job. I mean, they're usually marketing endeavors. Um, I, we see collaborations between brands. Uh, probably the most notable one is the Paddock Philippe and Tiffany and Company collaboration. Um, that has always, that has been a, his, that's a historical collaboration dating back to um, the 1940s, I believe. Oh, so this has been going on for a long time. Okay. Well, that one, yeah, no, yeah, that sure. specific okay. one, but there's a lot one more of them coming out because I don't know if people are running out of ideas. I mean, <laughs> it, it, you got to think outside the box. Yeah. I mean, Swatch Omega is owned by Swatch Group. Um, I, 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 before they launched, I was like, no way is this like really going to happen. Like, why would Omega? Kind why of would it go the value other way? their brand i guess exactly no, exactly. <laughs> all right no that's exactly I see what you're right saying. but I, I, I don't i don't know maybe they're bringing swatch collectors into omega i'm not sure all i know is it created a lot of hype i think there was like stabbings i heard people they were, got were a lot of fighting. press out of it so <laughs> yeah and you know people are thankfully i haven't been offered one yet um um but you know i guess at 250 dollars it seems seems pretty cool uh, but that's about it. But I, in general, the collaborations are working for brands and they will continue and they can be interesting. And a lot of those, many times those watches do really well over time, um, financially. Um, but you know, not all of them are nice. So I did want to get this question in before we end, um, and get to some listener questions quickly. How can you be sure what you're buying is authentic? I mean, we've all seen the fake Rolexes on the street, or I'm sure there's many in dealers too. And have you ever run into fraudulent watches? And is there any maybe telltale signs right away that maybe something isn't genuine? Um, so it's funny. They have the, the replicas have gotten so good recently. Mm -hmm. I mean, so good. They were used to be good before. Um, and now they're incredible because um, mainly in the Far East, they're buying the same machining. They're buying the same CNC machines. They are 
buying a real version and replicating it um, almost exactly. Um, there's some proprietary things that can't be exactly done, but it is, it is, uh, it is a thing. Um, we get most of the time, uh, I mean, all the time for us, we get hit, you know, we find out before it makes the website. Right. So we take yep. the punishment. So I think just to that point, uh, buying the dealer is super important. Um, all of our watches in particular, we, we've all handled so many watches here. So we all pretty much handle the watches that come in every day. We have a watchmaker on site, buying the dealer is the most important part. Um, I think that, that, that's definitely the most, the best way to protect yourself because, you know, sometimes you may buy something from a private, you may not find out for another two, three, four, five months, a year that the watch is no good. And then at that point, they're not giving you your money back. So, I mean, right. dealing with someone who has their reputation at stake, I think is a very important thing. I mean, we stand behind everything we sell. We warranty everything we sell. Um, so uh, we don't have, we've never had that issue. Yeah. When you're spending this kind of money, I think it's, uh, I would always say it's be best to go to like an authorized dealer to kind of, you know, even though, even if you might pay a little bit more, it's a lot better than finding out you, what you bought is, is fraudulent. Totally. Yeah. It's just worth the peace of mind. And I think that, you know, people who are spending this kind of money, they don't want to mess around. Yeah. They don't want to mess around for another, you know, two, three, four, 5% to buy it off some guy off some website that he doesn't, that's it's working out of his underwear, out of his house, you know, they, <laughs> totally they want that sense. piece of mind. Yeah. All right. Totally. Uh, last question before I got uh, a couple from other people here. Um, what are some tips? Uh, one, let's say you got your watch, you got your dream watch, or you got multiple watches. What are some tips to preserve the value? Do you keep the box? Uh, what kind of paperwork comes with these? And I think there's quite a bit of maintenance to a lot of these watches too. Can you kind of tell us what to do to, to keep your watch at its tip top condition? Uh, 100% if you're buying, um, like an investment quality watch, like we were talking about a Rolex or an Omega or, or there are many other brands, um, out there, but we, you, you should keep your box. You should keep your certificate. It's become increasingly important for buyers of secondary, uh, pre-owned watches, um, to have that. We, we really try to only buy watches that are fully complete with the original box and certificate. So um, very rarely, rarely do we buy something that doesn't have that. So that's one thing you should wear them and enjoy them. Um, I, I advise against wearing almost anything in the shower. Um, no showers, um, you know, rain is fine, but like, and, and to that point, almost the only brand that I wear in, the water, like a pool or the ocean is a Rolex. I don't wear any other brand. I don't care what they say, waterproof, water resistant. It's not, it's not pretty much. It's <laughs> not. So, so don't do that. Don't do that and keep your box and papers and you'll be good. That's, that's what I recommend for that. And what kind of maintenance can you expect on, on these watches? Is it yearly? Is it you just wait till something breaks? How, how does that totally. work? Totally. Yeah, you want to wait. They, they've put so much R&D 
to give you a five-year warranty or three-year warranty because they will bet that this thing is not going to break. So they've spent the time to make these watches and their movements as durable as possible. You don't need to warrant, you don't need to service it every five years or three years or whatever they say. You should wait, as you said, Derek, to wait till there's an issue, address the issue when it comes up. Otherwise, leave it alone. And, you know, it just let, let their, let their technology shine and just enjoy your watch. That's great to know. Um, let me get into one question from uh, one of my co-hosts, Johnny. He wanted to know, um, he was kind of fascinated with that, that Omega and Swatch collaboration where he actually tried to get one unsuccessfully, but he wants to know, is there a way to, to buy one of these hot watches for MSRP? Is there a way to put your name on a wait list at, you know, a local store or you had mentioned, you know, it's all about your relationship with your dealer. Is it possible to get the, the best the best watch out there for retail price and then flip it later? Or is are you just going to pay a markup no matter what? Um, it's not a no matter what situation. You know, I see um, a lot of the people who are getting watches today or collectors who are getting the watches today, they were buying the not desirable stuff back then. And a lot of times dealers remember that. So like if you go to the store and there's some not so pretty looking watch that they can't sell and you're looking to work your way up the list, um, you got to bite the bullet. And I mean, that's from what I'm seeing is what what is seems to be working. They remember that kind of uh, purchase when something else special comes in. So that sounds like like sounds like a. Sounds like the Ferrari business model. Oh, you want you want the, uh, the new law Ferrari? You better buy a cheap Ferrari. <laughs> uh, no, no, yeah, exactly, and not just one. Maybe yeah. two or three. <laughs> two or three. Yeah. So it's that's all the brands are. It, it seems to be a new trend. They're all running uh, the same business I'm, model. It's good to know. Um, yeah. So I do have a few questions from our Patreons. These these are uh, invest like a boss kind of super listeners that like to. We give them the opportunity to ask some questions if you don't mind. Um, I think I got three sure. or four of them here. Uh, let's start with Evan Taverner. He said, "An all gold Rolex day date is his dream watch. How much can he expect to pay for a good one?" Um, so they've been making the day date for sixty years, uh, more than that, maybe seventy years. So there's a broad spectrum to day dates. You can find a day date, a nice, probably eighties or nineties day date a nice one for as low as about uh, $12,000, $14,000 today. Um, I think as they get newer and as the models progress, they do tend to go up in price. I believe the next model jump up um, would probably be in the 20 to 30 range. And then they, for the the most part, um, the platinum ones even today, are even like today's models are under a hundred thousand. So, I mean, it's that whole range, but to get a really good vintage one, which is what I would recommend if you're like itching for something now and you had about 14 or $15,000 to spend. Um, I think buying a day date that's vintage um, in the best condition that you can find is the right move. Um, cool. If not, do you, if you want if you wait till you you're in the 20 to 30 range, um, also just a great watch. I have a, I have a day date myself, a 36 and, um, 
I love it. So I recommend, I recommend that um, as like a gold watch for sure. It has the great flash appeal and it's uh, it's an icon. Awesome. All right, Evan, I hope you can get that watch soon. Um, Ian Arakaki asks, um, how has the advent of smartwatches impacted sales and popularity of luxury watches? You kind of touched on it yourself that, you know, you have an Apple watch. Um, is, is that taking away from, from these watch watches at all, or is it just adding to it? No, I think it was funny. Um, when they came out, everyone was like, Oh my God, like are the, like our mechanical watch is dead. And like people used to joke around and being like, saying that it was going to be a big issue. It actually probably did the opposite. I would imagine. I actually don't really hear about it that much, but I would imagine it's done the opposite. I mean, if you were, if you were used to wearing, not wearing a watch and then you started wearing an Apple watch over time, you may, um, you may shift to say, Oh, well, I've gotten used to wearing this watch and maybe I should get something else. And the next thing you know, that person's in in the watch market. So um, I don't think it's had any effect negatively, probably positively. If I would, if I would bet anything. Yeah. And honestly, when I wear an actual physical watch, I, I probably never check the time on it. So I mean, mm-hmm. you're right. using your yeah. Apple watch as a tool. And I, I think the watch is just more of a statement. At least today. Totally. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I actually returned my Apple Watch. You know, I, I bought it. I, I, I hate them. I personally hate them. But yeah. No, I just, you know what, Derek? I just don't want to be that connected all the time. Yeah, that was my I, issue. I think that like, was my I don't problem be, too. It's like, wait, I, I if I want to text people or whatever, I'll just use the phone. I, I don't want it. So I, I tried it. I gave it a shot, a non-shot. shot. And um, I see the appeal, but uh, I'm going to stick with mechanical myself. Yeah, I think I will too. Uh, will Harrison, he asks, uh, one of his questions we already pretty much covered, but he does also want to know, is there, uh, what's the best way to appraise a watch's value to get an accurate estimate of its value? Ooh. Um, get an accurate estimate. Um, a lot of times you can use auction results. Um, those are public sales that works. Um, another cool tip I think is using eBay. So when you use eBay and you plug in a certain model number or a certain watch that you were looking at, you can hit a toggle button that'll show you only sold listings. So then you're able to kind of see what something has sold for in the past. Uh, of course, condition varies a lot. So you'll see a huge, um, variety of prices, but between those two, that'd probably be the best way to get evaluation on something that you have or something that maybe has been passed down to you. Sounds good. Uh, Tom Connell says, first of all, this is a really cool topic and he's really into watches. So that's good to know. Um, he would love to know how much higher the Royal Oaks can keep going and the same with other Rolexes. He says they've gone up so much in the last 12 months that he thinks it might be a bubble. What do you think? I wonder when he asked that question because I think just recently there has been a little correction in that that market. Um, this just would have been just a few days ago. So as of record, we're recording this um, in April of 2022, if anybody's listening later. Okay, so if this question was a few days ago, then 
he's uh, that that correction has already actually already started. I mean, it's not like a tanking of any sort, but it's probably a healthy correction because I, I do agree that that it was getting a little uh, getting a little frothy and a little aggressive. And I think that, you know, um, you know, with with the amount of dealer power into it. I, I think he was getting uh, a little, a little um, ambitious. So unfortunate uh, for the war in Ukraine, but I do think that that has something to do with just the popping of some. I don't want to say bubble, but maybe it just led to a little bit of a, of a correction, um, which was needed anyway. I I do agree that it w- it was getting a little out of hand. Sure. Uh, last question from our Patreon, Jacob Clark. Uh, he has an interesting one here that we didn't touch on. What are your thoughts about non-Swiss brands? He's thinking about investing in a Grand Seiko because he thinks they're a really great value and underappreciated. But is investing in a Japanese brand going to hold them back in the long run because of the public's perception? That's a good question. Um, I've, I, I, I have a lot of our clients into Grand Seiko. I, I get you know, I get the appeal. I, it is a good question. Um, you typically had, it has always been like, if it's not Swiss, it's probably German, um, which is, has always been the case. Um, and then now it's like Swiss, German and Japanese. So it's like, um, I, I, in, in my, in my opinion, the Grand Seikos are, nice watches they're well made i think that if you're buying them you know in the sub 10k something to enjoy something you like the design i i think it's okay um i was offered a grand seiko recently for like eighty thousand dollars of platinum one of the early ones and i just i listen it, it could be special and and important uh I just can't do it. You know, I can't do <laughs> right. it. So, so that's how I feel about that. And it is a good question. I think for the most safety to buy Swiss um, is, is good, but Grand Seiko has done really well and people seem to be really into their product. So Jacob, I think if you, if you love it, go ahead and get it, but maybe don't expect the biggest uh, investment return out of it would be the advice. Probably there. correct. Probably. That's probably a good, good statement. Yes. All right, Josh. Uh, a really fun question before we get out of here. I need to look these up, I think, too. Tell me the fav- your favorite watches in your collection. Oh, um, I got a pretty, pretty diverse. I, I kind of have a little bit of everything, um, which is nice. Um, and it's funny because a lot of my watches now have diamonds on them. And it was kind of like a strange progression from, uh, you know, people go through phases of different things they like to buy and different things sure. they like to collect. And now everything that has staying power in my collection has diamonds on it. So it's kind of funny. Um, but I, I have a Patek Philippe uh, 5971. It's a grand complication. Um, it was so so terribly undervalued for so long. I was so happy to buy one from a good friend. Uh, it's definitely my favorite watch that I own and I will definitely cherish forever and hopefully pass it down one day. Um, that's a 5971. Um, 
kind of a dress watch with baguettes on the bezel and some diamonds on the dial. It's just really tastefully done. Yeah, I also I like have uh, have a Cartier crash, which is probably familiar to uh, watch people. A very kind of Salvador Dali esque. Oh, that's I think cool Cartier. too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just yeah, looking think, these up as you're as you're saying them. Yeah, yeah. No, Cartier is um, one of um, the most special and timeless designers of of watches ever made. So as, as I Googled, it's kind of funny. We were mentioned earlier, as I Googled the Cartier crash, uh, the first three pictures are Jay-Z, Kanye and Tyler, the creator wearing one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I don't know how that happened, but yeah, between those, I've got some vintage Daytonas and vintage uh, other Patek Philippe's. I, I collect, you know, I do it somewhat with my dad. We kind of do it together, which is kind of nice. Um, But, you know, we, we see a lot. It's, we see a lot of stuff and um, it's uh, thankfully for, for our buyers, we're kind of jaded now. So all the good stuff comes to the market and we, we list it. We don't like just hoard everything. Sure. Um, you know, but I try to have a little bit of, of everything we have, you know, I've a vintage AP, a 5402 uh, BC with, with a very low serial number, um, some early Rolex, um, six five three six which is a small crown submariner with a red depth rating that's like perfect you know occasionally we come we run across something that's in just like perfect condition and we keep it um but otherwise you know we we, we keep it moving we can't have a museum here we got a business to run and we're we're recommending the best so how can we just keep the best we have to we have to give the best <laughs> to our clients too you know what i mean so that's you know, totally a couple things are special and and and, and we keep but other than that, we, we like to share the love and we, um, you know, we, 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 sh- we showcase everything on our website. We have a mobile app, which is like the best app. And I'm not just saying that because I designed it and whatever, but it's actually the best watch app for watch lovers out there. You can download it at the app store. It's a European watch company. We update it every day with like the best watches in the world, high resolution pictures, easy to scroll, easy to use, easy to inquire. That's that's like if you're into watches, you want to look around, you want to learn more. Everything's got detailed write ups. It's the best place to kind of see how things are moving and uh, what's going on in the market. You'll see kind of what's coming in, what's going out. And that's 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 definitely a, a great place to uh, to just look around if you're in the market or not. So super awesome. I'll put a link to the, uh, European watches app in our show notes, anywhere else that, uh, people should head over to learn more about your business and check out some cool watches. No, you know, we, the iOS app is really great. Um, the website's also good. It's the same feed. So you'll see the same watches. You know, we differentiate a lot from everybody else because we, we really, we really pay attention to our photography. We are fully transparent. Everything you see is there. Everything is, you know, we don't hide anything. And, and, and I think that we've gained a lot of trust because of that. I mean, people are, very happy with our service. They keep coming back and we're happy to uh, help them build collections. So um, that's what we do. 
Awesome. His name is Josh Ganji from the European Watch Company, europeanwatch.com. Or like I said, I'll put the link to the iOS app in the show notes. Josh, this is a topic I've been wanting to cover for a long time. So I really appreciate you coming on and filling us in on how to get involved in some luxury watch trading. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, looking forward. If there's uh, anything I can answer for you later or at any other time, um, I'm happy to do so. So please, uh, you know, reach out or if I can help you or help you find something for yourself, Derek, I'm happy to help. Awesome. Thanks. And take care, Josh. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Derek, after that, I'm sure you've been scrolling through the app or on the website, looking at, at various watches. Uh, what do you have your mind on? They send me this email now and I'm not even mad about it. Usually when you get signed up for a newsletter, you're like, Oh, what is this crap? There's some awesome watches and everything I keep looking at. I, I still kind of go back to just the classic gold Rolex just because first of all, it seems like the best investment. And secondly, they just, they look good. Yeah, they do. They, they, they look amazing. Um, I don't know. The only, the only thing I don't like about, you know, that watch in particular, but also just most uh, old watches or vintage watches or classic watches is they're pretty small in my wrist. And I have huge wrists, so they never look quite right. Wasn't it kind of like a thing a few years back, though, where the watches were just like enormous? Yeah, and, and those looked good on me because I have <laughs> like, enormous wrists. <laughs> You know what I find weird as well? Some of the most expensive watches, like like the Paddocks. Mm-hmm. This I'm looking at one right now. It's seventy five thousand dollars, and the band on it is leather. I'm like, yeah, that is strange, right? <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like I wonder how much it is just to replace the band because I'm thinking of like I I got a a couple nice nicer watches like and it's leather bands, and I feel like you just wear them a couple times and they already look kind of a little bit worn out. Yeah, and to, to me, leather bands on watches always looked cheaper than like if you had a you know a gold or or, or metal band. I think they just they just look more expensive, and I think they normally are. The paddocks are weird. I actually don't. Why are they so expensive? Like I I always assumed, you know, maybe not. You know, maybe Rolex isn't the most expensive. It's just the most popular. But how are paddocks so much more expensive than? An average Rolex. That and the um, the Audemars too. These Audemars are wild. This one right here, I'm looking at. Oh, it says sold, but it was like a hundred and thirty thousand um, dollars. It's just like traditional, I guess. You know the the quality. I don't know. I don't know the mechanics of of these actual watches to get in deep into that. But I guess you know the craftsmanship is is pretty insane when you, when you look at like what they're able to shove into that little watch face. Yeah, and it is impressive. I have watched a few kind of time lapse videos where someone, uh, you know, repairs or, or refurbishes a vintage watch, and it's really cool. You know, it's cool to see them take it apart and clean it. You know, every little tiny, tiny, tiny piece to put it back together, and it looks like this brand new restored, um, you know, piece of art. That, that, that's really what it is. Uh, but as far as like usefulness, uh, I don't know if you know this, but the um, the quartz watch, the battery-powered watch, almost destroyed the Swiss uh, watch market when it first came out because it was just so much better. It was more, it was more reliable. It uh, it was actually more accurate, and it was super cheap to make. 
that's that's curious because I'm wondering if that's why he kind of saw this whole renaissance when Instagram kind of popped up. So do you think we could have got some like insane deals? Maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago and could have got them maybe for 10% of what they are now and just just made like wild money. Like that's the only explanation that kind of really drove this market is people were seeing this stuff on Instagram. Yeah. And then, you know, the rappers started talking about it, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's why I didn't know. I, I, I didn't that's... know how to say it. I'm glad he said Paddock before I did, because I was going to ask him, is it Paddock or Patek? Because the rapper guys say both. Oh, do they? I got that Philippe Patek on my wrist with my AP. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> probably a, a universally good piece of investment advice to anyone listening is don't invest in anything rappers talk about and especially anything that they put into a song. You want to know a, a kind of a side reason for that, that maybe you wouldn't think about when it, stuff starts to blow up, when cultural references come into play is it's a huge problem here in Los Angeles. The LAPD actually put out a notification asking people not to wear a nice watch because they are getting ripped off, these guys in Beverly Hills, um, all kinds of places. Um, I know one recently, uh, the music producer Jazzy Faye was just at a restaurant outside, um, where was it? Oh, the Beverly Center, if you're aware of where that is, kind of Beverly Hills, West Hollywood mm -hmm. area. Uh, outdoor restaurant, just sitting down. A guy walks up to him and goes, hey, Jazzy Faye, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. Walks up to him, sticks a gun in his stomach, you know, really, oh. really discreetly. So no one else could really see what was going on. And he goes and he just kind of whispers to him and he goes, nice watch. I'll take that. So he had to give him his watch right there because he had a gun on him. And then the guy just walked away. So like these guys, like it's so quick and there's no way to catch these guys that it's happening all the time, at least here in Los Angeles. I got to assume all over the world too, where these guys want to show off their hundred thousand dollar watch, but it gets ripped off pretty easy too. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, I, I felt uncomfortable wearing some guys fake AP. He, he was like, he was trying to sell it to me. And I was like, no, nah, like, I don't want it. And he's <laughs> like, you know what? Just try it on. Looks good on you. And I tried it on and he's like, you know what? Just keep it for a few days and just give it back to me. And I was like, ah, I, I really don't want it. He's like, and I, it was almost kind of like high pressure sales. He thought for sure that if he like put it in my hands on my wrist and I wore it for a few days, I would just buy it off of him. But literally after a day, I, I, I called him. I was like, look, like I feel uncomfortable being outside. <laughs> like I feel like I'm going to get yeah. robbed for this, you know, this watch. It sucks that you're going to put that much money into it and then you can't even enjoy it. So, you know, obviously it's not the person's fault that bought the watch, but it's sad when you got to be like, you know, I know you have nice stuff, but you, you can't use it. So, Yeah. And, and to me, that's, that's the difference between collecting. Uh, actually, I don't know. I, I guess on both sides, right? Like, you know, you had mentioned putting money into a collectible car. The problem with the car is first you have maintenance, um, you know, the, the bigger, they're harder to store, things like that. You can't have, you know, 20 cars, right? Uh, but at least you can use it. So as long as you're actually driving the car and you're using it and you're enjoying it, uh, and you you know kind of sharing it with others you know people can um, you know sit shotgun or you know maybe even go for a test drive and then I think the the car is a better use you know for this collectible man money but at the same time watches are nice because you can you know you know switch it out every day but that's before we started worrying about you know getting robbed and you know possibly getting killed for wearing a 
I guess it wouldn't be a house on your wrist anymore, but <laughs> you know, a, a cheap house, you know, a cheap condo somewhere on your wrist. Yeah. And one other thing that Joshua brought up was the logistics of actually sending these watches out. I guess I didn't even think about the fact that if you're sending a hundred thousand dollar watch, you have armored carriers literally <laughs> delivering these watches to you. So let's say you order one of these watches online, Johnny, someone that's, uh, has a gun is coming to drop that watch off to you. How wild is that? Just to think about the, the security of actually getting these watches into someone's hands safely. Yeah. That's probably all part of the experience. Cause you definitely wouldn't want some Amazon driver just to leave it. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of purchases, uh, I bought a watch. I went watch shopping a few weeks ago when I was in Athens in Greece. What do you think I got? Well, you already poo pooed the fake one. So I'm going to say you didn't get a fake watch. But no, no, about about a, a, it's a real watch. I'm I'm only gonna. I actually I think it's gonna be if you found one. I think it's gonna be the one I brought up in the episode, the the Swatch collaboration, because I know you were excited about that one. Because I actually heard about that from you first. Yeah, so I I went to the store that day, you know, maybe ten minutes before opening, and the line was already down the block. I think if I had gone just a few hours earlier, I actually could have gotten one. Uh, this is the the Omega Swatch collaboration. Uh, if if you guys haven't heard of it, this watch normally sells for you know seven, eight, maybe ten thousand dollars plus. It's basically is it the Omega Speedmaster? I yeah, think? the Speedmaster. Yeah, and they did a, a collaboration with Swatch for whatever reason. I mean, the same parent company, but it'd be like having a Audi VW collaboration where they would sell you something that looks like an Audi for a VW price. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. So it made how, no sense. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, go ahead and continue. I'll give you my thoughts in a second. Yeah. Well, I mean, I still think it's a terrible idea from them. Like, uh, and I really thought that they were, it was just gonna be like a one-time thing. You know, I wasn't willing to get there at four in the morning to, to wait. Turns out in every other city in the world, people camped overnight. So me being in Greece where the economy is terrible uh, and I guess things like, you know, fine watches just isn't really that big of a thing. I could have gotten one if I had just gone at like 7 a.m. and just waited, you know, three hours. So in retrospect, I kind of wish I did. But at the end of the day, I don't need a Omega on my wrist. Yeah, but the flip, Johnny, you could have got three, four times that, you know, on eBay or wherever right after. No, turns out you can't because Omega announced on that same day that it was not going to be a uh, a one-time limited run. They're going to restock. Yeah, that's what Joshua had had alluded to as well. He's like, they're just going to make millions of these things. So these people trying to get out there and make a quick buck is kind of silly. And um, the Omega Speedmaster is actually one of the watches I was kind of looking at as like as like a cool starter watches because they are cool watches. But now looking at that uh, Swatch one, the dial looks almost exactly the same. Just so, you know, the average, the novice person wouldn't really know the difference. So I think it really cheapens a six, seven, eight thousand dollar watch into 200 bucks. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I don't know why they did it. It's 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 
like it's not like with the car at least you know the cheapest uh vw is still you know twenty five thousand dollars it's like it's it's not like you know 10 times uh, like different in price it's just like it doesn't make any sense yeah i gotta feel like i wonder if like it was maybe like a, a little bump to the stock like a little quarterly earnings type deal where you know you gotta you gotta make the board happy uh, on paper it it seems like uh sh- really short hindsight and you know just making that quick buck yeah um and especially because you know you can get in like black or something where it kind of you know uh, looks like the Omega. I think if they had only made it in super bright colors, made the you know, maybe the Omega logo smaller or something, made, made it really look like a swatch, I think that would have been okay. But everyone's going to wear it and say, like, you know, I have an Omega, like <laughs> 250 bucks. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I did, on another note, find the exact extreme opposite. Um, it is my new dream watch. I'm going to send it to you Ooh. right now on WhatsApp, okay, Johnny. Okay. okay. And tell, tell me what you think about this. It kind of goes into our, our the car correlation as well. Ooh. It is very nice. I've, I've never heard of this company, but I guess it's a Ferrari watch. I, I, don't, know if it, I don't know if it's just Ferrari Red or if it's an actual collaboration with Ferrari. But It's an FP... Joran Centigraf Ferrari Platinum Bracelets. Why don't you give it is very cool. price out? Scroll down a little bit. It's seven hundred thousand dollars. Are you insane? <laughs> I was like, ooh, this one's nice. And then I scrolled down a little further. Uh that's that's more of a, a Sam budget than a Derek budget. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the only watch I would even consider buying um, from this site currently would be the $7,000 silver kind of basic Rolex. Uh, I think those, those, those look cool, you know? And I think most people, like the difference between that and a $50,000 Rolex or $100,000 watch, they're like, oh, you have a Rolex, you know? That's cool. Yeah, it's... I feel like if I bought something like this, though, I'm definitely buying from a reputable dealer like European Watch or basically any of these actually authorized dealers. There's so many fakes out there. He even said that the 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 presses and, and the machinery that the, the original factories use, you know, when they were done with it and they sold it or whatever, it actually ended up in China. So they're using the exact same machinery they would use to make these watches before. So it's super tough to spot a fake. So I don't have a problem paying up a little bit to get the real thing, I guess, if, if you're looking at it from an yeah. investment standpoint. Yeah, I would do the same. And also even just having, you know, having a not break on you because I've wasted so much money buying fake watches from the streets of Chinatown in New York or in Thailand and Bangkok that I could have actually just bought like a one decent good watch. Totally. And I thought I was under the impression that you needed to do like maintenance every year. And it was like, you know, a thousand bucks for them to kind of tune it up. And I was glad that Joshua just kind of said, no, nope, if it breaks, take it in. Otherwise, you know, just enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, it is annoying as crap though. Have you ever actually owned an automatic watch? Cause if you don't wear it every single day or at least every other day, it just dies and you have to reset the time. It's, it's so annoying. Yeah. So on that note, I, I don't know that 
we're really going to get any big watches anytime soon. I, I had thoughts for like a, mm, I don't know. I want to spend five, $6,000, I think, just kind of treat myself. But I don't know that there's like the watch out there for me at that price level. W- what do you think about getting a nice watch, Johnny? If I can buy the Omega Swiss collab watch for retail price, uh, I will buy it. And you'll see that on my wrist probably in the next few months if it ever comes back in stock. Um, it has made me actually even less likely to spend $7,000 on any watch because I would be so pissed if I dropped 7K on a Rolex and the next day, you know, there's a... Uh, a Rolex, you know, Casio um, collaboration. <laughs> oh, for only $29.99, you can have your Rolex Casio collab. Uh, actually, so you hit the nail on the head. That is the watch I basically got. <laughs> <laughs> you got to send it's us a, a pic, Johnny. You got to send me a pic uh, and I'll post it in the, in the show notes. I'll send it right now. It's uh, here. Let's you you legit got a Casio. <laughs> I just pulled up the pick. I'm going to put it on, on the show notes. It's actually a pretty good looking watch. It's not bad. It's really good looking. It's So to describe it, it's a black rubber band, uh, plasticky rubber. It's probably like a rubberized plastic, but it has like a big gold bezel. Uh, it's not like a small bezel. Uh, and my wrists are huge. So uh, it's like, it looks good on me. Uh, it has a gold metal face. And it's water resistance to 50 meters. So I can basically go scuba diving in this. I can swim in this. Um, you know, and it's quartz, so it's battery operated. So there's no maintenance. Uh, I don't have to you know, wind it every day. And I love it. It's super lightweight. It's durable. It probably lasts forever. It's super accurate. Like as far as in terms of you know, just being a watch, this is the ideal watch. I like it. I like it. I don't, I don't know if our guest Joshua is going to like it as much. He's like, Hey, they're talking about $30 watches here, (laughs) but anyways, uh, really interesting topic. I I think we might have to revisit this soon, but it was, it was a good kind of intro to the luxury watch space. So thanks Joshua for coming on. If you want to check out his site, it's europeanwatch.com. He also has a cool app where you can just kind of really get like Instagram, you know, level photos of all these watches. I'll put all the links to that in the show notes. Um, anything else, Johnny, before we get out of here? Yeah. Fun fact. Uh, okay. So I misspoke about being a dive in this watch because water resistant turns out it's not the same as waterproof. So if it says 50 meters water resistant, uh, it probably means you should probably go swimming in it and definitely not diving in it. But uh, did you know that during my five years as working as a dive master and instructor, I've only ever seen one person ever actually dive with one of those dive watches, like those uh, Tag Heuer or Rolex, you know, uh, dive watches, which they're so famous for. Well, like you said, when you, when they say water resistant, it's all, it's just like marketing. I don't ever trust that they actually are because I've jumped in with watches and then you see a little, little bubble of water in there. What do you remember what kind of watch it was and did it actually work? <laughs> So I think it was a Rolex Submariner. Uh, and I think they really are designed to be a, a diver watch. I think in 1953, it was the first ever 
you know, uh, waterproof rich wristwatch that, that can actually go down to a hundred meters or 50 meters or, you know, whatever it is. So I'm assuming that back then before they had dive computers and, you know, other kind of, you know, waterproof things, maybe it was actually very useful to, to go down, you know, know how long you've been down there, turn the dial to, uh, as a marker, so you know, um, the exact time that you went down and how long you do your safety stop for things like that. It was probably very useful 70 years ago, but since then there was li- like literal computers that you could have on your wrist, uh, that calculate things way better. Keep, you know, keep track of things, you know, way better. Um, and, needing to remember to turn a dial to remember a specific time and then then like log it down with a pen and paper as soon as you come up it's archaic and, and it's it's a bad uh way to dive uh so it's cool that that guy went down with it i think he was really proud he was like really excited that he dove with his submariner but like he i think he probably had a dive computer in his pocket as well yeah, right it's like everything now you kind of you kind of want to do it the way they did it back in the day but then you start to do it and you're like this kind of sucks <laughs> where's my computer at yeah exactly all right that was a uh, a fun episode uh i i think it's safe to say that neither you or i are going to be flipping or investing in watches anytime soon what do you think yeah i mean if I didn't have that giant red arrow on my computer just flashing at me right now saying, look how much money you're losing. Well, not losing, but you know what I mean? Um, it's a weird market right now. I'm, I'm going to stay out for a bit. Yeah, definitely me as well. But I do like the idea of, you know, these old vintage Rolexes. So if ever anyone ever wants to give me a really generous uh, Christmas or birthday gift, that would be it. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in mind, Johnny. Keep waiting. <laughs> yeah, I'll be waiting a long time. <laughs> Till then, guys, thank you so much for, for listening. Share this with a watch fan or anyone who you think would enjoy this episode. Uh, and thank you guys all so much for leaving those reviews because that's been uh, really cool seeing the 2022 uh, podcast reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All right. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.